Welcome to the show. I'm Brad Johnson, and this is the Do Business, Do Life podcast. I believe in the and approach to life and business instead of the either or. This show is my attempt to help financial advisors create unlimited growth and freedom in their life and their business through wide-ranging conversations with some of the most brilliant and interesting people on the planet. We refer to this mission as DBDL, doing business and doing life. Where do we even begin? First off, I just want to say this hasn't been easy. Leaving everything behind, friends, coworkers, clients, and uh, this this new chapter for me, it's involved a lot of growth, a lot of sacrifices, a lot of hard decisions. And I just want to kick this next chapter off, this next podcasting journey off by saying it's been tough to be gone. And I hope those of you out there that I left behind, I hope you understand how hard that was for me. And I'm sure there have been a lot of stories circulating out there. The cool thing is I get to share my story, my words now. And that's that's the power of a podcast is I can share from my heart. I can tell my personal truth. And I just want to say sorry for those I left behind without any closure. I know those clients, those Elite Advisor Blueprint listeners, it was just kind of like, boom, last episode and I was gone. And the good news is I'm back and I'm so excited to be back. I missed podcasting. I missed these incredible conversations with incredible people that I could learn from and that I could share with you all. So with that, a few thoughts as we get into episode one. My goal is to take all of what I believe was awesome for you all and that served you all, all of you advisors out there from the last show and the format is to obviously keep that and then improve and make it even better. And I start this show with the same, really the same thing in mind from my last show. And that is this show isn't about me. It's about curating incredible guests, some of the most brilliant people on the planet and having curious conversations that serve the independent financial advisor space out there. And I plan to continue to do that as much as possible. So going to keep that going. We're also going to add some new twists. We're going to actually add more conversations with advisors just like you all. Um, share your stories. And so I'm really excited. We've already dropped a couple of these episodes, or I should say we've already got them in the can. We've recorded them. I'm really excited to get those out to you all. Other advisors in the trenches just like you. I think there's a lot... Uh, iron sharpens iron to be able to benefit from those conversations. And to this specific first episode, I just re-listened to it. And it's my most vulnerable conversation I've ever had. It's my most real and raw conversation I've ever had. And it's Kristen Shea on our team here at Triad interviewing me and really flipping the mic and saying, what have you been up to? What led to you leaving what most would see as a really awesome situation my previous chapter and what led to me stepping away to do what I'm doing now. And so we get into that today. It is a little bit more of a stoic conversation, but it was like really from the heart and it, there was a lot of self-reflection going on during this during this interview. So I hope it serves you all out there and gives you a little bit of the story of why I left and what I'm up to now. Also, a lesson in this one, we've actually changed the name of the podcast since that episode was recorded. We were originally going to call it the Financial Advisor Evolution because it was really about evolving and changing and constantly challenging the status quo. By the way, we're going to keep all of that. But 
that was actually trademarked. And I'm actually, uh, I feel really fortunate because I think it was a blessing in disguise because the name of the show now, Do Business, Do Life, it's a better description of what we want this show to be. Uh, We will always have business conversations on here, how to level up as a financial advisor out there. But one of the things that I heard feedback from you all that listened to my past shows, you actually love that it was about how to level up in life as well as a spouse, as a parent, be a better version of yourself, whether it was health, fitness. And by the way, all of the success in business, my viewpoint is none of that matters if you don't, if you aren't able to share that with people you love. And if you don't have your personal health where you can actually enjoy success in business and whether that's more money in the bank account, whatever that may be, if you don't have your health, then what do you have, right? So you'll hear kind of the thought process behind the naming of the show. The heart of that is still here, but the show is now called Do Business, Do Life. And the other thing that I'm going to change, I'm going to do this show more frequently. We're going to drop this weekly. One of the things I always wanted to in the past, but it was kind of, I, I had a kind of full-time job and it was kind of off the side of the desk. Now we've been able to assemble a team, remove myself as a constraint. And so I'm really excited. Many of you know, Kristen Shea, fellow team member, our chief product officer. Uh, She will be doing show intros from here on out. That was one of the constraints. I was great at recording the episodes, but it was tough for me to go back, deconstruct, share the key takeaways. Uh, We've really systematized this process. I'm really excited because now we can get more conversations, more episodes out to you all faster. So hopefully we can help you more. So you'll hear Kristen interview me today, and then you will hear her on future episodes with really introing the show. The other thing we're going to keep from the past show is we're going to keep loving on you all as far as our listeners and whether it's authors, new book drops, uh, whether it's kind of key concepts or ideas shared in episodes, we're going to give a ton to you all as listeners. And so uh, she will also be talking about what are the the gives, the takeaways, uh, the free gifts from each episode and how to get those. And with that, we're actually going to make that easier. One of the things I love about Kristen, for those of you that follow her on LinkedIn, she just stays on the front lines of what are the new trends in digital marketing. Uh, for those that haven't checked her book out the truth about digital marketing, make sure you go buy that. Uh, you'll learn a lot from it. But she's like, why are you going through this? Go to this website, drop an email here. Everybody listens to podcasts on their phone. Why don't you just make an SMS, just a text opt-in where they can just drop you a text. And that gives them all the cool stuff that you're going to share with the podcast audience. So we're going to do that. So with that, we wanted to make it as easy as possible for everybody that listens to the Do Business, Do Life podcast to unlock maximum value out of each and every episode. We are going to create access to the DBDL Insider Hotline. This is a text hotline, 785-800-3235 or 785-800-DBDL, as in Do Business, Do Life. And all you need to do to unlock and join the VIP crew is text DBDL, as in do business, do life, DBDL to that phone number. And what that's going to do, you will get a response that comes back. It'll ask you a couple more questions, and then you will have reserved your spot in the insider crew for the Do Business, Do Life podcast. We haven't even figured out all of the ways we're going to add value to you, but just a few ways we will out of the gates. You will be the first to know when each new episode drops. 
You will also know the additional gives, tools, resources. We'll have a ton of authors on. So books, how to unlock those, how to get maximum value out of each and every show. And we're working on a few behind the scenes ideas, such as private meetups, such as private conversations that this group will be invited into. Just know that if you want to be a VIP on this show, that's the way to get there. So with that, on to this week's episode. What's up, Brad? What's up? (laughs) Welcome to Financial Advisor Evolution, sir. It's good to be here. It's long overdue. Yeah. There's been a lot of rumors about where you've been. I think one of the craziest ones that I heard uh, was that you actually died. So it would appear as if that one wasn't true, but it could be time to set the record straight, right? That is is one I had not heard. I'd heard quite a few different ones, but uh, that's the first. What's the favorite rumor that you heard about where you've been? The favorite one I've heard, I've started about 18 different businesses <laughs> in the last two years with a number of different business partners and a number of different investors. How are they going? Um, well, that's a good question because as far as I know, none of them exist, the, the rumors anyway. So uh, yeah, I think it's just a lesson in this industry. I mean, in the, at the end of the day, this is a really big industry that's really small. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that's always, I think it's part of my small town upbringing is just treat others as you want to be treated. And I find that the rest of itself, you know, the rest of the story works itself out. And so I always, um, maybe this is a growing up maturing thing, but um, I remember I really used to worry about what other people thought and conversations being had. And at the end of the day, you can't control any of it. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's the stoic in me. Uh, I just try to worry about the things I can control and that's me. If I'm at my best and if I'm lucky, you know, that's that's a big undertaking by itself and not worry about the rest. The rest will play out um, and just show up how you want to show up, be who you want to be, treat others as you want to be treated. And I, I find that's taking care of me to this point. So I plan to stay down that path. 100%. That's a great place to start. So that's yeah. kind of the big question, right? Where have you been? You had an amazing last chapter. I can't imagine it was an easy decision to move on from that chapter. Amazing life, amazing success. What happened? Where have you been? What type of decisions have you had to make? And what does the future look like? Yeah, I mean, I mean, everybody that I guess knows me and then who knows who's listening to this show. So maybe there's some, maybe there's some advisors that listen to, to my prior podcast, The Elite Advisor Blueprint. Maybe mm-hmm. there's some tuning in. This is their first time. I was in a really good spot, really fortunate, really grateful. At the age of 26, I left the corporate world, worked for a little company called Payless Shoe Source mm. that's now no longer around and uh, jumped into the world of finance and was fortunate, worked for a cool company based out of Topeka that became, went from a, a really small thing. I started as the 12th guy on the team to I think today over a thousand employees and it, it became one of the biggest and best that's ever been in our space. And I feel really grateful, really thankful that I was along for that journey, still have a lot of friends in that building. And that's why it was so hard to leave um, because it was a really good thing. And at the end of the day, those that know me, advisors I worked with over the years, friends, whatever I do, my wife jokes, um, I'm all in or I'm all out. Maybe it's the Enneagram 7 in me, you know, the, we'll call it the addictive personality, whatever you want to call it. But um if I'm in on something, it's like a light switch. It's on or off. And uh, it just reached a point to where I there, I knew there was something 
calling for me for that next chapter. And that's not discrediting anything from that chapter because without the previous chapter, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have set up this chapter for me. So just really grateful. And it took a lot of conversations with my wife, a lot of reflection, a lot of figuring out what do I want to do with my short time on this planet? And I've never been a guy that stays complacent. And I just felt like I'd kind of reached the ceiling of what I could achieve. And so for me, it was really scary. And it was really, it was hard. It was um, a lot of friends when people I knew for a decade plus as clients, coworkers. And um, I'll tell you who really helped me make the decision was my kids. That's the truth. Um, we have a little uh, ritual and uh, it's called What's It Mean to Be a Johnson Kid? It's a little nighttime ritual that I've done with all three of my kiddos. And I think my daughter Nellie was two. And I said, hey, what's it mean to be a Johnson kid? And we just, I wrote down everything they said, which was pretty cool. That was some pretty so cool kids wisdom. Define what it meant to be a Johnson kid? Yeah, like wow. for, for me, for me, it's one thing for me to tell them. Right. It's another thing for them to say, hey, here's what we believe it is to be a Johnson kid. And not that you can't nudge it a little bit, you know, right or left. And, and how old were your kids, by the way, at the time that they did that? That seems like such an amazing exercise to do with your family. Nellie was two so she's our she's our youngest she's six now so two seven and eight amazing so what kind of words did they come up with um well as a two-year-old that's johnson kids love their mom love their (laughs) dad but there were some really cool ones princesses uh right (laughs) get uncomfortable wow do hard things wow our readers one of the things that i believe to be true whether you're a parent, whether you're a spouse, whether you're a leader on a team, is it's one thing to say something. Yeah. It's another thing to model something and, and live it. Right. And by the way, very imperfect at all of that. Definitely screwed up that on all fronts. But I keep trying to level up. And one of those nights, mm-hmm. I was doing this with our kids. Okay. And I was in, at the time, Bron and Nash shared room. And I remember saying, you know, we'd, we'd basically, they were like, 25 things on this poster wow. and I'd say, just name one. What's one thing it means. And I remember, I think Braun said, Johnson kids do hard things. Wow. And Nash said, Johnson kids get uncomfortable. And this was as I was contemplating, you know, what does the rest of this look like for me? And hopefully, I mean, if there's any advisors out there listening to this that are going through that, whether in their career business decisions, family decisions. I think it's really hard when you look short-term. It's really hard because then it gets messy and it's, but wait, I'd walk away from this money or that money or what about this? And you you think of all the reasons why you can't and why it's uncomfortable to make that decision that you know in your heart is right. Mm-hmm. And where I went to as a parent, and I hope someday when this life is over near its end for me, I just pictured... Cubby seven habits. It talks about writing your own obituary in advance and how do you want to live your life so that that's the obituary you want written. And I just pictured in that moment, like being there with my kids, I hopefully surrounding me, hopefully my wife, Sarah surrounding me. And then them looking at me and saying, did dad do what he told us to do? And that's where a really, really hard decision got much easier for me because I knew in my heart what I needed to do to get uncomfortable, to grow, to learn. And 
it took my kids to teach me that lesson, uh, with, you know, looking at things kind of through their eyes as a parent, you know, them seeing their parent and how they, they kind of played it out in their stories. So that's at least a piece of what led to the decision. There was a lot of other things. This podcast, my prior podcast journey, um, this new podcast, just being able to continue to add more value, do it on my terms, control my own narrative. There was just so much of that that I learned from kind of that prior chapter that really inspired me. Like it was time for that next step, that entrepreneurial journey. Absolutely. It's amazing how your kids were the ones that motivated you to do it. Was there any fear for the sake of your family, right? I mean, I think a lot of advisors can probably relate to making tough choices with the hope for a better future long-term, knowing that there would be short-term sacrifice. How did, what kind of, what was the conversation like with your family when you said, hey, I, I want something else and I don't know what it is, but it's time for a new chapter and just bear with me. Yeah, um, well, I owe a lot of credit to, my wife, Sarah, who obviously, you know, and had it not been for her support in the first chapter, when I left my corporate job, I was 26. Gosh, this was 2006, you know, making a very comfortable $55,000, $60,000 a year salary in Kansas, which is, you know, yeah. like making 150000 in DC, right? And so she's always been just really supportive. Uh, I think the, the, in life, it's really important to have people that believe in you and see more in you than maybe what you see in yourself. And I remember telling her at the time I was going to be a financial advisor, interviewed with the Mayor Prize, Ed Jones, John Hancock, all the when usual was suspects. This, this was after Payless? Yeah, this was why okay. I was going to leave Payless. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So I was going to leave my corporate job to go be a financial advisor. I was studying for my CFP. And at that point in time, my buddy Sean Sparks says, hey, there's this new little company in Topeka, Kansas. They're interviewing. You, if you're quitting your job anyway, I mean, you should at least interview. And so that was how it came to be. And that was how I got into the insurance brokerage world. And I think day one, I was reading a, a brochure on annuities. Day two, it was, here's 100 advisors to call on these lead cards, you know, that were back in the day, little note cards that they'd mailed in. So that was how I originally got into kind of the distribution brokerage side of finance versus the financial advising side. It's awesome. Do you mind sharing what your favorite, because it's important, right? As you look to the future, also celebrate what you have and you expressed your gratitude. You've, I know, obviously fell in love with the industry. What were some of the things in your last chapter that you loved about advisors and added to your life and things that you learned that made you so passionate about the space to dream bigger? The people. I mean, the, at the core, and I know a lot of businesses, you would say it's the relationships and the people. But if you really look at financial services, I personally believe the only career that could potentially have more impact on human beings and their lives is potentially like heart surgeons or, you know, a doctor that's saving, like physically saving lives. And if you look at like the next step from that, it's how do you take people and empower them around money decisions that quite honestly can have generational impact, you know, not just the individual you're sitting across from, but their kids, their grandkids, a great financial plan is one of the most powerful things, in my opinion, that you can create for a person. And it was really 
I just fell in love with the advisor. I fell in love with the industry. I saw the impact that great financial advisors can have. And it was that every day was different because I had entrepreneurs I was coaching. So there were business problems that got in the way of that. There was, well, how do I market to the right prospects so that I can truly help them? How do I, once the right prospect walks through the door, what process do I walk them through to simplify something that's really complex that a lot of people have a tough time getting their hands around? And then once I do that, once they say yes, and I build the plan, how do I love on them? How do I take care of them? How do I shepherd them through all of those changes in retirement as you know they lose a spouse, as they have an illness come up that nobody can predict? And I, and I think... Um, I think it's the most noble work out there. I think it's awesome that I can come to work every day and help great advisors build great businesses that can help more people. Because at the end of the day, that's what great advisors do. It's not about some product they're selling. It's not about some new asset management strategy. It's about great advisors help create clients and inspire them that they can do more in retirement. Creative freedom, really. That's what it's about. Not surprised to hear you say that about the relationships. I know there have been relationships where you would go on joint vacations with the advisors you worked with and bring your kids together to Disney. Um, so I can't imagine it was an easy decision with all of it coming in consideration. So let's go to the day that you quit, right? Did you know that you were going to have to stop the podcast? Did you know what your next step was? Did you know where your next check was coming from? Did you know what the what the future looked like? In sure, I mean, <laughs> it's it short. Right before your 40th birthday as well? It was well, the week. It was the June 9th of 2020 was when I sat down and said, hey, I think it's time for the next chapter for me. COVID year too, right? Good yeah, times. it was right. And I think COVID was part of it. It gave me, COVID, sure. I think, gave everybody space that was used to, flying all over the country. It, it interrupted the normal business pattern for everyone, good and bad. And I think it just gave me some time to reflect. Obviously, those of us that had families, you've got really comfortable with being around your family for a while. Something like that. And, yeah, or uncomfortable, <laughs> one of the two. And so the the thing with me, I just want to be, I'm a real person. I mean, my, my good friends will say, hey, one of the things I love about you, Brad, you're authentic. You're just who you are. You're real. And I had to be the same way in my professional life. And I said, hey, guys, I, I think it's time. And the next obviously logical question is, well, what are you going to do? Right. And in truth, I didn't know. I love podcasting. So to get to the podcast question, podcasting became a part of me. Like, I'm a curious person. I love people. I love to learn. So what better format than to bring interesting people into your life and ask them interesting questions and listen. And so the podcast for me, it started as a way to serve my advisors. And it was supposed to be, I don't know that I've ever shared this story. The, the original podcast idea was I was in a mastermind with Michael Hyatt. Okay. I was trying to solve a business problem. The business problem is get a bunch of successful financial advisors to show up at the same place, same time <laughs> and get on a live Zoom call. How do we herd cats? Yeah, good <laughs> luck. Good luck, right? And so I give Michael full credit. He's like, why don't you turn these conversations into podcasts so advisors can consume them on their own time? Airplane ride, jogging, working out, whatever. And so that was the birth of the Elite Advisor Blueprint. And then, you know, 75, 80 episodes later, I just got addicted to it. 
because it was originally a way to have a conversation to serve my clients. But at the end of the day, I would have done these if nobody was listening because I was sitting there interviewing some of the most brilliant people in the world, some of the most interesting people in the world, having complete imposter syndrome of like, wait, why are they talking to me again? And just getting super curious and learning. And my network expanded. You know, I I became friends with many of my guests. Uh, I was learning. I was growing. I could bring a lot of those lessons back into my own business. And then just the added benefit is it's helping a ton of advisors out there. And so to circle back, I didn't know. I was like, I might podcast for a couple of years and I took time. So August 14th was my last official day, the day after my 40th birthday, 2020. Uh, I took two and a half months. It's like the first time I think I can legitimately say I was like lazy. Like I really didn't do much. I hung out with the family. We did some, some cool little, you know, experiences. Um, but I really wanted to not jump into the next thing. I wanted to be really intentional. And I got a lot of clarity. I had some really great conversations. Guys like Ron Carson went up to see him. He's, you know, definitely helped me. I know he's helped a lot of advisors out there. Uh, John Bowen of CEG had some good conversations with him. And I just wanted to get really intentional about the next chapter. And the crazy thing is something that I loved, which was the podcast. It was a season where that went on a two-year hiatus because I just didn't have the bandwidth helping build this new business, right? Triad and all of that took. And in hindsight, one of the things I learned is how dang tough it is to be an entrepreneur. It's as I was joking with one of our offices the other day, I go, you know what I learned? It's a lot easier to coach entrepreneurs than it is to be one. And I've got so much more empathy now for the advisors out there getting pulled in 50 different directions where they're, they're trying to meet with people, drive revenue, make sure cash flows up for the firm, while at the same time being the head marketing guy, trying to do seminars on this hand. And then, oh, wait, we've got a service issue over here. We dropped the ball. And I really have so much more empathy for that advisor now because now I, I, I've felt what it feels like to get pulled in 50 different directions all at the same time where you're like, there is not enough for me to go around. Definitely. And so I think, I think one of the lessons from that is I've, I've become a better coach because I now understand more where before leading a small sales team, yes, you experience pieces of that, but you definitely don't understand to the level until you've lived it. So. Absolutely. So yeah, that was the, I, I literally didn't have enough of me to go around to, to do the podcast. So that's the, the short version. Yeah. But I've missed it. We're going to bookmark that, the different, you know, what you've learned along this journey, because you it's been one heck of a ride and we're all constantly leveling up based off of what we've watched you do, make that transition from an incredible salesperson to an incredible CEO and founder to the podcast. One thing, if I had an imaginary business like yours for every time, well, no, okay, we'll just put it this way. If I had a dollar for every time you said, man, I want to podcast, I miss podcasting. Yeah. Uh, I'd be a pretty, pretty rich lady. Um, this night, do you remember what you said your vision was for the future when we talked, I guess, within the week of you quitting? Do you, I don't think, I don't think you and I have ever talked about this. You painted a visual picture of what you wanted the next chapter to look like. Do I remember, you, like, I remember pieces of it, and, which I think what's interesting is pieces of that have definitely played out. But the piece that I remember is I wanted a community. I wanted to create a community. Because when I really look at 
the value where, where I see like magic happen in our space. And there's a lot of different models, right? Brokerage models, RIAs, BDs, mastermind groups, all of that. One of the things that I always challenge myself to do, I read a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. This was, I don't even remember the year, but it was take 10% and invest it back in you. Okay. You know, everybody's like, hey, take a percentage and invest it in this investment and all that. But it was right. invest in you. And that was the one of the driving reasons why I paid to cut a really big check to get in a private mastermind with Michael Hyatt, who that's paid off exponentially, made me a better husband, made me a better business person, made me a better parent. And so there are shortcuts in everything in this life. And if, if you're willing to invest. And so I invested in that and had friends all over the country and Canada. There were some amazing entrepreneurs in that group. And then obviously led by Michael Hyatt, he speaks for himself. And then the next thing was I was in another, I was in strategic coach, Dan Sullivan. I know many financial advisors have benefited from strategic coach and Dan's frameworks and teachings. And then mastermind talks with Jason Gaynard, uh, 150 entrepreneurs from all over the world. And one of the common themes in all of those groups was the curation and the magic that happens when you get very intentionally the right group of people together to share and level each other up. As Jim Rohn says, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So what if we looked at doing that very intentionally in our space? And I'd seen pieces of that where some of the times it was done intentionally, sometimes it was done unintentionally. But one of the things I hadn't seen was the ability to say you're not a fit. You know, oftentimes it was premium that drove all decisions in this business. Inside of the annuity space. Exactly. It was... And honestly, a lot of groups would say, hey, we only work with groups at this level. But the truth was they worked with anybody that had a case yeah, to write. for sure. And the question that I remember high level, this was very infancy stages. So tell me if I'm misremembering any of this, was what if that wasn't the, I think it's important, by the way, I think it's important to get great business people in a group. Because like, if you're not hitting a certain level oh, of business, 100%. then, then, you know, it's kind of like, it, they're not leading out what a portion of success is. But on the flip side, what if you intentionally curated the group based on the caliber of people and human you want to be around? Like, who do I want? We did a a summer event at the montage. Who do I want my children to look around the table? And when they say, dad, I know you tell me that all the time, but now their fun uncle, Derek or Anthony or a number of the other amazing people that we work with say the same thing. And now it's cool because the fun uncle said it. Right. And so for me, it just was like, what if we looked at this from all types of different angles on what sort of community we could create if it was done really intentionally for the right reasons to where everybody's just proud to be a part of it, you know? And I do remember the beginnings of that conversation. I think it was more ideation, but it's been really cool to see pieces of that already start to play out in the magic. Yeah, this is kind of crazy because the the mental picture that I had while I waited for you to figure out what you were doing so I could hitch to your main wagon was the mental picture that you painted. The vision is amazing. Talk about the power of a vision. That's what would be something we can talk about was that you said, I don't know what I want to do, but what I want to be able to do, right? Don't know what I want, but I kind of know what I want. 
I feel really convicted about this is exactly what you just said. So it's really cool that it's the same. You painted a picture of renting a villa in Italy for a month. You said where I can bring in some of the best, brightest, smartest people on the planet, the Michael Hyatt's of the world. And this is not promissory. This was a vision from 2020, of course. And advisors can come with their families, come and go. We're all staying on the same property and we have intimate access to these experts and an amazing opportunity to do life together. Yeah. Do you remember that, that vision? Well, I re- yes, I do remember that. And by the way, I still want to do that. Yeah. Uh, the word you just said that I think is a really important word is access. And I think there's a lot of really cool events in our industry. I've been to a number of cool ones that I've learned so much from. And the thing, though, that I see a lot is you have some amazing keynote. They come on stage for an hour. They blow your mind. You you scribble notes as fast as you can scribble them. (laughs) We've all been there, right? (laughs) And then you've got all the intention in the world to go home and feed this to your team or, hey, I've got my top three action items to implement. The biggest thing I've found though, yes, that's important, but the accountability on the back end and the one thing I found with access. So you mentioned Michael Hyatt, strategic partner in the community, like in the community, not like keynote, disappear into the green room, never to be seen again, is when you can go deep and do repeated reps. It's like going to the gym, go do one, one hour workout and see how fit you get. Or if you've got a trainer that's literally showing up and you have a training regimen that you're on, the breakthroughs don't come in the first workout. They come in the the first month, the second month, the third month of repeated reps. And so access to me, Chris Smith is another example of that. All of these were, were from the podcast, right? It's, oh, I heard the Chris Smith episode. That was insane. Oh, I learned so much. I, I re-listened. To, I had people that listened to that episode three, four times. And I'm like, well, what? would it look like then if you brought a guy like Chris Smith into the community to teach, to help lead sessions and to go deep, not with just the advisor, because the whole other aspect is we forget about the team. Like any advisor I've ever seen that scaled any business of that's worth anything, it becomes less about the advisor over time. It becomes more about the team and empowering the team and leading the team. And that's a whole nother conversation is how often our industry leaves the team behind and does these amazing events for advisors. But then it's like, now they go home and now their team's like, whoa, buddy, hey, we're trying to run a business and you just tried to get me to change our entire business model in the next week. That's interesting. And so, yeah, to me, that's the beauty of bringing awesome people, awesome frameworks, leaders into a community and not just for the advisor's benefit, but for the team's benefit as well. So this feels like a really great transition. We'll, we'll summarize first, right? You're at Payless, 26 years old, fell in love with the industry, joined an amazing company that you're extremely grateful for, built incredible relationships. You probably grew up with it, right? And you fell in love with the industry and saw that there may be opportunities to potentially improve it or at least just opt for you to operate in the industry on your own terms. So you take the leap, right? You take the advice from your kids. You go completely AWOL. AWOL meaning like radio silent. Grow your hair out. Everybody freaks out. What have right. you done with your hair? Please cut it. Little Mid-life did I know crisis. how big He's of a dead. conversation piece that would be, by the way. Oh my goodness. Hey, advisors, if you're listening out there, 
if you just really want to shake things up with your clients and team, just don't cut your hair for two years. It's going to create some just incredible conversation around just that by itself. Right. Very like startup, like <laughs> right. San Francisco right. tech vibes. So you make the leap, you make the incredibly tough decision. You've jumped ship on your podcast, which I think by the time you left was top, one of the top podcasts in the industry is iconic. You, you would never say that, but I will say that for you. Advisor Blueprint was iconic. It's an amazing show. Radio Silent took the time to figure out what you wanted and you went through this evolution to do hard things and get uncomfortable as a Johnson, right? Mm -hmm. So we renamed the show, right? Show's a little bit different than it was last time. Uh, new podcast is Financial Advisor Evolution. Feels like a great time to talk about the name. I know you're really intentional about the name of the show. Can you in the spirit of talking about, you know, focusing on the team and intimacy and being able to scale and what it means to be a leader as an advisor. Can you talk a little bit more about the concept of the financial advisor evolution and some of the challenges in the industry Yeah, that you'd like to solve? Yeah. Um, so the name wasn't by accident. We put a lot of hours into it. Thank you. <laughs> Th thank you to you, Kristen. Um, one of your gifts and those that have followed you on LinkedIn, you're as passionate as anyone I've ever met about this industry. And so it was really cool to go into ideation mode and kind of just talk through like, what is the vision for this show? I mean, the truth be told, the financial advisor blueprint, yes, I did put some thought into that. In fact, I used Dan Sullivan's unique naming guide to get to that. And that was, uh, how old was I? Probably 34, 35 when I started that show. Wow. So it wasn't like I was a newbie, right? but it was just, jump in and figure it out, right? Which is a whole nother, like get uncomfortable. Like all my growth personally has come from just getting uncomfortable. I thought there was an idea there that could add value to the advisor community that I was directly working with. And I found out over time it added value to a lot more advisors. I, I had one gentleman in Sweden that connected with me on Facebook, advisors in Australia, advisors in Canada. And like, it blew me away that the value it created without with me, just like, I'm just a small town Kansas kid with a $60 mic off Amazon, just trying to have interesting conversations, right? And um, as I thought about the next evolution right. of the show, what I'd seen play out, my own personal evolution, yes, but also COVID happened. A lot of advisors had to evolve. Literally that threw everybody's marketing plan out the window. Then I saw this other evolution happening in our space. One of the biggest things that advisors struggle with that we're facing head on right now is like, if you go back to 2007, when I got in this industry, most of my clients were solo advisors mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to market okay. dinner seminars, radio shows, TV shows. Now that's evolved into podcasts, YouTube videos. So there's been an evolution there by itself. And then it was, hey, once I get these people to come in and meet with me the first time, how do I actually like say the right thing to help them understand I can help them so they say yes and become a client? And then wait, once I do that a couple of times, how do I like hire a team so I don't go crazy because I'm doing everything here and I can't keep up? So it was like very advisor-centric, solopreneur-focused. Sure. And I feel really fortunate because that first chapter... I was right there alongside of them as a student, like just scribbling notes, being humble, being curious. How'd that work? Hey, I bet that will work for this other guy I work with on the East Coast. And so, so much of my growth came out of that journey. 
But then I saw the next evolution of that, which is these advisors have now reached this success to where this founding advisor, this uh, a lot of advisors we that we work with are partners. And now they're like, wait, now I'm capped out. How do I take 10, 20, 30 years of knowledge and train the next generation of advisor? And that's really tough. But how do you distill all of that wisdom into a 25, 26 year old kid that just got licensed is great, eager, willing to work their butt off, but that's a lot. And so for me, the financial advisor evolution, I didn't want to limit the conversations that could be had on the show. So a lot of what worked on the prior show, I plan to do. I plan to have incredible guests, have incredible conversations, long form, just like last time, because I feel like the gold comes out once you've settled into a conversation. But to me, evolution is big enough. We can tackle all kinds of things. We can tackle the digital evolution of from brick and mortar to digital that's happening right now. We can tackle the face-to-face appointments to Zoom appointments that's happening right now. We can tackle the solo advisor trying to become a CEO that's happening. I mean, I've got advisors where they don't do appointments anymore because they don't enjoy them. They want to go be the face. They want to be the the brand, the TV, the radio, and they want to manufacture appointments for their team. But in order to do that, you know this, Kristen, you've got to have a scalable financial planning process, ideally proprietary and trademarked that they can only get from your firm. You've got to have a systematized appointment process, a first, second, third. You've got to have a systematized service model. And you look at any company that's ever scaled to any level how they did it is they had to put systems in place that allowed that to happen. And so I see all of these evolutions happening and that's just a handful off the top of my head. But to me, the only constant is change and the very best advisors that I work with constantly evolve and they're constantly challenging the status quo. And I was like, what if we just did a show where that's all we did was challenge the status quo of how you evolve as an advisor, what that means today will mean something very different five years and 10 years from now. And to me, that felt like, okay, I'm on board with that. You know me, I like to geek out on that 100%. stuff. So you do too. And so Sorry. to me, that felt on brand and something that I can sign up for for the long term. And and you're so, not going to take any more like two-year t- hiatuses, right? In the financial advisor evolution, is that in the plan? Well, grow well, down, t- down to your knees. I can't predict the future. <laughs> but what I can say... The format of the new show, one of the things I'm excited to do is have you on the team because I know one of the things that really did not allow me to get as many shows out as I would have liked to was I was the constraint. I was the one that was getting in the way of getting the shows out. And obviously I had a great team, you know, Charlie and and a lot of the team behind the show. So shout out to you, Charlie. Couldn't do it without you. And he's obviously on the team for for this round. But um, I'm really excited that I can just have incredible conversations with incredible people. And now I have a team where we can start dropping episodes just on a much more consistent basis. Because to me, that's fun. And we can just add even more value out there in the advisor community if we do that. 100%. No doubt about it. You mentioned a couple of things in a quick rapid fire about some of the big opportunities you see in the industry. One of them, I think, all relate uh, based off of a, a business analogy that I've heard you share I'd love to revisit that with you. You mentioned a proprietary process. You mentioned systems. You mentioned trademarking. Uh, but can we unpack that a little bit? Can you talk about 
why that matters and exactly what advisors should be thinking and what next steps they should be considering in regards to trademarking. I mean, trademark for what? Processes for why? Yeah. I did an episode on my prior life that was just kind of like on a whim. It was titled Process Over Product. And one of the things I think is a talent I have, and I'm not like an arrogant person that's like, I'm the world's best at this or that. But one of the things that's been shared with me by just a number of coaching clients is like, Brad, you're one of your strengths is you see, like you see all of this stuff happening out here and you pull themes out of it and identify, wait, this is a core thing that should be a thing that could make a massive impact regardless of marketplace. And it's the 10,000, it's Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours. At this point, I think I've done 30,000 plus hours of one-on-one coaching calls with financial advisors wow. all across the country. Different team sizes, different, you know, how they build a financial plan. But one of the core themes that I've seen is we are in a very commoditized industry. I think no one would argue that, whether it's the insurance world, life insurance, annuities, the asset management world. And I don't care if you say I'm fee only. Guess what? So do thousands of other advisors. So if your flag in the ground is I'm a fiduciary, guess what? So is every other Series 65 licensed advisor in America. So if that's your value prop, to me, that's like a hamburger stand that says we have lettuce, tomato, we've got sesame seed buns, and Like a hamburger, you can get that anywhere in America, just like you can get a financial advisor anywhere in America. And so... (gasps) How dare you? I know. Hey, I said I'd be honest, though. (laughs) So so one of the biggest breakthroughs I saw is the advisors that got really intentional and, you know, built a great financial plan. It all starts there. You've got to have the proper ingredients to a great financial plan. Um, But, you know, income, investments, tax planning, healthcare, legacy estate, kind of a CFP standard plan. But the next thing is... How do you package that? The thing I saw happening, because I feel like this trend has already passed in finance, where it's like, hey, you need to name and trademark your financial plan. That was like a new thing five years ago. I feel like that's kind of gone through the industry in a wave. Like a lot of advisors have heard that before. But what's happened is it's kind of like if I was, we'll just use McDonald's. If I said, hey, I'm going to open a new hamburger stand. And then I just go to McDonald's website because they're my leader in my space and my marketplace. And I just basically took a picture of the Big Mac, copied it and said, Hey, we do Big Macs over here. Well, number one, you'd get sued by McDonald's because they trademarked it. But you've just ripped off somebody else's recipe. Mm -hmm. And I see that happen so much in financial services where you don't actually take the time to do the deep work and say, wait, why are we different? What is unique and special about us? And then figure out what your secret sauce is, right? And then make sure you name a product and create a product, productize, right? We've talked a lot about this as chief product officer of Triad. So how do you take the unique things you do and turn them into proprietary products that only your company, your firm offers? But more importantly, not rip off somebody else's website and theirs is XYZ financial blueprint and yours is XYZ financial roadmap. And it's like a different color of paint on the same thing. But how do you get really intentional, really serious and actually get a belief system, not just for you, the advisor, but for your team where you say, Hey, you want to know why we're special and why clients choose us? Let me tell you, because the biggest thing is when you rip off somebody else's, you can't fake belief. I can't 
create something when in the back of my mind, I'm like, I actually, I just went to my competitor's website and just ripped off their deal and called it something slightly different. But where you can really inspire belief in your team, we've seen this happen with, with Do Business, Do Life. It took on a life of its own where our clients are now saying we're DBDL, right? And we didn't know. We didn't know the things that we would do that would really inspire our clients and our team. But we were really serious and intentional about what was important to us. And it was really cool to see how that's transferred now. So sorry, that's a bit of a soapbox. But I think the biggest thing is, if nothing else, naming it. But it's even more importantly, one of the reasons we went really boutique where we're not working with everybody is we wanted to go really, really deep on that work because that is the absolute only way you can do it is putting in the hours and the effort. And that is not a 30-minute phone call. That is a process to go through. And I know you've been instrumental in the our first 100-day journey as an advisor at the firm. And so that's like super intentional real work. And most advisors have never slowed down long enough to do it. 100%. So 100%. I'm very passionate about that in case you can't. I, I, if there's a belief system, I believe that is a game changer for every advisor that has not taken the time to do it because I've seen it work in every market at every size of firm, whether you have two employees or 40 employees. It works over and over. And to clarify what works over and over, no matter how many employees you have, is having a product that is not a, that is not an investment. It's not an annuity. It's not a life insurance, but it's your experience packaged into a product as the thing that you're selling. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, look, look at it this way. So productize, systematize, scale. Most financial services firms, the first time I talk to them, they say, Hey, what's working for marketing? So they're trying to go directly to scale when in reality, they don't even know what their product is. So if you're listening out there and you're an advisor, here's an easy way. And do this quiz with your team too. In 30 seconds or less, why do your clients choose you? Why do they choose your firm? And if you're honest with yourself, you're going to see a lot of advisors squirm. You're going to see a lot of team members say, I don't know, we've got good customer service. And if that's your answer, you are a commodity. And I'm not being a jerk. I'm just like really like being truthful because I hope I can serve some people listening. And so when you get really in, like Apple didn't roll out an MP3 player. They weren't even first to market. They rolled out an iPod. And then what they did was they made it sexy and they had some really cool marketing around it, but they really got the product right first. They did the same thing with the iPhone. And if you remember the first tagline to the iPod, it was 10,000 songs in your pocket. That's inspiring. That's like, I want that. And every other MP3 player was like, we're an MP3 player. They didn't have the product down and they didn't have the inspiration down behind the product. And when you slow down and do that, one of our firms live every day in retirement like it's a Saturday. That's inspiring. Not like we build financial plans. And they're definitely not saying with the well, at least Steve Jobs didn't say, we've got a thing that you can carry around in your pocket. It's about four inches long. And if you open it, you can scroll with your thumb. Just like I think a lot of advisors say, well, you can come to us and we can talk about taxes and we can do Roth conversions. And when you come in, we're also going to do some risk management and do the income planning. It's a a completely different dynamic. It's a completely different conversation. The productized thing is a massive, I think, opportunity for our industry. And it's been really interesting to explore. And starting with the financial plan, And then start going from there to what is that client journey? Just like we're productizing the first 100 days inside of the firm. Once you do it one time, you realize how it applies to everything. Everything can, there's so much that can become a product. Your approach to beneficiary reviews, right? Like anything. Yeah. 
So I, I just think it's a very untapped opportunity in the space. But if you're really intentional about it, to me, productize, once you productize, th- think of the Big Mac. I know we overuse this analogy. I've got the recipe. Now I can systematize the creation of it. Once I systematize the creation of it, now I can scale. And so as soon as you productize, that's what unlocks everything. But most advisors never slow down and do the deep work to get there. All right. So speaking of naming, I don't even think you said the name of this new chapter. So you, so you did start a business, true, true or false? And true. if so, true. does it have a name? So Triad Partners is, is the new venture. Okay. Um, Triad with a T? Triad with a T. Excellent. It's right here. In fact, funny story. We're actually just talking about the intentionality behind a brand. And so Triad Partners, if you deconstruct the name, three parties interconnected, A players only on the team, strategic partners in the community, full Mm -hmm. access. We already talked about Michael Hyatt and Chris Mm -hmm. Smith. Obviously, it's easy to see A players like yourself. Here's the key with A players to me. An A player is always free. What? An A player pays for itself. Oh, okay. Well, here's, here's a really big thing that I've learned. A lot of financial advisors are great salespeople, but they apply all of the sales side to prospects, potential clients coming through the door but not necessarily to talent acquisition Mm -hmm. and recruiting a best-in-class, world-class team. An A player is always free because an A player does the work of three C players. Mm -hmm. And also the other thing is if you have one A player and you want to drive them off, team them up with a C player and watch how frustrated they get. Watch when they have to do the follow-up. They have to check on the email they sent three days ago. Did that thing get done? And so if you want to build a high-performing team, you need to attract high-performing talent. No different than if you were going to win a World Series or a Super Bowl. It's the same concept. But if you look at the talent acquisition that most advisors focus on in this space, oftentimes what they miss is they're looking at it as an expense versus an investment. And if you look at it as an expense, what's the least I can spend to fill this gap on my team? You're going to get people that don't have jobs, that are out there searching for jobs all day, Best-in-class people already have jobs, which means they need to be convinced your company is a better alternative than the one they're at. And that is sales, and that is recruiting, and that's like a massive thing. So, sorry, off track here, but triad partners, A players only on the internal team, strategic partners, and then lastly, world-class advisors. The most elite top 1% from a production standpoint, growth-minded, because you can't teach a student that doesn't want to learn. And number three, we've already talked about it a little bit, DBDL, do business, do life. Life's too short for me and our team to work with people we don't want to hang with and do life with. So what's really interesting is we got really intentional about what is the future of this community that we want to build. And we want to build it like a community and a community is curated. A community is not just whoever walks through the door. And as we thought about how do we want to visually represent that, fun story behind the scenes, this little triangle, I don't know if you can see it on the video. Little triangle caused so many problems. I mean, we, there were, here, here's, but here's what's cool. You know, you know what's cool about A players? They're passionate. <laughs> yep. And there was a lot of passion in what is the logo that represents that to the level of damn near a fist fight in our conference room right over here. Basically, um, the table. But what I loved about that, when you get A players together, 
And ideally, you're communicating in a healthy, challenging way, not a, you know, throw punches sort of way. It is amazing the magic that happens. It's like, uh, I heard Steve Jobs tell a story one time when he was a kid growing up. He had a neighbor that was like the, the, the grandpa of the neighborhood. And he said, he told a young Steve Jobs to like come over. And these days you wouldn't be like walking to this random dude's garage, right? But he walks into this guy's garage and he has this old school cement mixer. And he tells Steve Jobs to go get a handful of these rocks from the driveway. He has him throw the rocks in to this little cement mixer. Okay. He throws like some dust in there and he says, come back tomorrow. So young Steve Jobs. Young Steve. This is a real story, by the way. This is a real story. Okay. Um, Young Steve Jobs comes back the next day and this guy reaches in there and pulls out these beautiful polished rocks. And Steve shared this analogy He said, that's what happens when you get eight players together. The friction of them kind of, let's say, debating a healthy debate around topics, they polish each other. Sure. And I've seen that play out. And that, like, honestly, this logo was a piece of that. Now, there could have been a potentially healthier debate. Potentially. But the passion in that room, you can't fake that. And that's what happens when you get eight players together and magic happens. And so... Um, We're going to do our very best to continue to attract the absolute best talent in the business, pay them a fair market value, which is higher than, because guess what? A players are expensive. Yeah, I was about to say. But they're worth it. A players are free, but they're expensive. But but if you look in the, but if you look in at the, from a business sense, one A players, three C players. 100%. And C players turn over and quit and aren't there when the going gets tough. And so. Anyway, that's that's been a lesson. And by the way, we've screwed that up. We've screwed all of this up along the way. But that's the pursuit that we're very aligned and passionate about here. So we're going to wrap this up. I've got two last questions for you. But first, just based on... I feel like we can do this forever. But two last questions after this. It's so funny that you talked about some of the heated passion. Said like a true word, smither. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's definitely... A, well, actually, you know what? An Enneagram 7 way of referring to it is the passion, right? I would love to hear your thoughts. I think that's been one of the most interesting things is is really understanding the dynamics in between people and the journey that we went through to understand that storming during team development is natural and something to be embraced, right? Yeah. Put three strangers together in a room and expect they're just going to have this eloquent conversation. It's probably not going to happen, right? I mean, human nature is it takes a while to build relationships. And we've definitely uh, gone through our storming phase, which is, you know, there's four phases of growth. And it's it's forming, mm-hmm. storming, mm-hmm. norming, performing, right? We talk a lot, about, a lot about that. We coach to it. And we went from zero to 35 team members in about two years. So if you go into that thinking there's not going to be some storming, you're naive. But... The cool thing is when you get intentional about here's the role I need you to play on the team and we're getting better and better the longer we do this at empowering. And as Ron Carson told me once in an interview, hire great people and get the hell out of their way. Not easy. We've got frameworks that can help. We talk about the 10-80-10 rule a lot, but I'll tell you, if you hire the right people, both skill set and culture, other framework we talk about a lot, skills can be learned. If they're students, if they're willing to work hard, 
culture's hard. Like you kind of know, like these are the type of people I want to be around. So if you don't have the type of people you want to be around on the team, that's a tougher leveling up conversation. But um, for me, it's like get great people on the team, DBDL sort of people. And the rest, if the the attitude and effort is there, can be learned and taught. And uh, like I said, we've screwed plenty of that up along the way, but we've tried to learn and get better. And I, I think you know, a lot of our clients have experienced the same thing, which by the way, if you're an entrepreneur building a company that involves people, which is just about every business model out there, you're going to have people issues. People are people. It's so natural. If it, you don't have issues, yeah, then so, you have issues. Yeah, so embrace right? it. So just embrace it and say, this is it's part of the journey stage. and know that the other thing is you got to invest into your people. You got to, they need a voice. And by the way, we screwed a lot of that up along the way because we were just running so fast, but we're getting better and we're learning and we'll still screw plenty up, but the heart is there and the intent is there and oh, man, the passion's we'll, priceless. We'll, we'll grow, you know, just like all entrepreneurs and all businesses have to, to survive. 100%. So two last questions to wrap up. Okay. Okay. We're knock them out real quick. I don't know if anyone has ever asked you this before. It's a question we ask all of our advisors. Uh, can't see it. For those of you watching on video but up on the wall, we have all of our advisors' answers to this question hanging uh, in our foyer. What is your champagne moment? You look out into the future and you can, you know, we'll use the cliche, wave a magic wand over triad partners, your family, your relationship with Sarah, the friendships that you've built in this business and with the advisors that you serve, your health, Based off of that leap that you took, everything that you gave up, what is that champagne moment? You made a lot of hard decisions, right? The first thing that comes to mind, because there's not really, you didn't attach a time frame. So I'm just going to say, as I look out into the future, I want Triad Partners to be a business that makes our advisors our, our, and their team's lives better. And I think most of our industry focuses on the monetary side of that, the business side, the the revenue side, the more money in the bank account side, which by the way, not saying that's not important, but I want to create a community that blesses lives, creates more freedom because we create sustainable business models that it's not this tug of war of in order to grow my business, I have to sacrifice my family because truth be told, done intentionally in the right way, a great business can be grown that blesses your family and enhances your family life and makes you a better husband, allows you to get in the best physical shape of your life. And so there's so much that we have not even scratched the surface of, but what if you created a community that not only helped advisors grow great businesses that serve more people, but also they're in better shape a year from now, better physical shape. I know we did some sweat challenges. We're going to do more of them. What if they had better relationships with their spouse because they learned the Enneagram. And I know we brought Ian Cron into the community and now we're doing a DBDL session where they're leveling up their business communication with their team because they better understand all of the different personality types, but they're also leveling up their relationship at home because guess what? How many husband wives do we work with where it's all interconnected? And so I just think our, oftentimes our industry looks kind of narrow and my champagne moment is to have work-life integration versus work-life balance and make all of it better together, my own included. Like I want my children and my wife to be better off because Triad exists. And they've made sacrifices, you know, building a business over two years. Definitely, they made some sacrifices. And so I want to continue to grow it in the direction that it just enhances all aspects. 
of our, our, and our team too. I didn't talk about our team. The same thing for our team, because that's where it starts. If we don't pour into our team, they can't pour into our clients. And so it's all, it, it all works together at the end of the day. That's awesome. I didn't hear anything about a little in Italy for a month, but you know. Let's I mean, do it in Italy. Great. Let's do it in Italy. Okay. That's where we do <laughs> All right. Last question. This is where we're going to get fun. Brad, okay. usually the one asking questions. You guys really got to know Brad's amazing heart. But let's throw a fun one out there. Brad okay. is known, for those of you that have not had a chance to sit around a dinner table or a happy hour with Brad, Brad loves to bring, as the podcast interviewer, curious person that he is, a list of table topics and ask the most random questions and have really deep conversations about them. This one's for you. Okay. Last night, we okay. had dinner at Sean's house with two founders uh, inside of the community uh, and members of their team because it's a team training. Mm-hmm. The guitar came out. One of our founders crushed it on the guitar, was missing missing a string. It was amazing. Should have paid to be there. It was great, quite the show. The idea came up of Triad Talent Show, putting this on the air because I'd like to hold us accountable to doing it because I think it'd be very fun. Hmm. We do a Triad Talent Show. What are you coming out on stage and what is your secret talent? Oh boy. Um, Well, I'll give credit to a guy you know named Jordan. Oh, okay. I'm scared. I can solve solve a Rubik's (laughs) Cube. Now, not quite as fast as he can. I think my best time is like two minutes to solve a Rubik's Cube, so... I can solve an old school Rubik's Cube. That's my, one of my claims to fame, I guess. You build killer music playlists. You have great taste I'm in a, music. I'm a great DJ. Great I, can, DJ. I can DJ a party. <laughs> the guy on the ox court. Yeah. He's the real MVP. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably boring. But I, that, no. Football coach. You could coach all of us with your son. I do like football coach. Have us do burpees. Yeah. That would be a talent getting all of our advisors and all of our staff. CrossFit, talk burpees. sports cards, talk wine. The beauty of an Enneagram 7 we have all kinds of interest for our energy. So, uh, yeah, if you're out there and haven't taken the Enneagram, read up on an Enneagram 7 or the life of the party. So <laughs> yeah, something like we that. enjoy nice wine as well. So, well, cheers. Kristen, cheers, cheers to our champagne moment, I man. the conversation. Here's Financial our, advisor here's revolution. Our Cabernet moment. Cab- yes, let's Here. go. Okay, on to this week's featured review. This is episode one of... The new show, Do Business, Do Life. And one of the things I loved about my old show is just the amount of engagement from the community that listened. And many of you were kind enough to just leave reviews, primarily out on iTunes, because that's still to this day where most people are finding podcasts. And one of the things we did is we gave away a lot of books. Uh, We gave away a lot of tools and resources from the guests. We plan to continue to do that. And I just love hearing from you all. I read every single review. I will continue to read every single review because it helped me and the team understand like how we could better serve DBDL community or my prior life, the Elite Advisor Blueprint. And we'll continue to do that. And by the way, if you're listening in to this show for the first time and you happen to be an, a listener of my previous show, one selfish ask, if you can just take a second, if you're listening on an iPhone, just scroll down in the podcast app. There's a link right in the show notes where you can leave a review. Leave an honest review, please. Like, Don't make anything up. Like, Just share from your heart and like, what was some past ideas or concepts you took from old shows that really hit home with you. It really will help the new show launch 
to where people that haven't found the show, they'll just know it's worth listening to and we can add value to the financial advisor community out there. So if you can do me a huge favor, I'd love to get to 100 as quickly as possible. So share it with a couple of your advisor friends and just ask them to do you a favor. And hopefully you share a show that can impact them like it has, I know, many of you out there. So with that, here is a review from user New Day PFC. Uh, left on May 4th, 2020. It wasn't too many months before I stepped away from my prior gig. So it says, excellence redefined, five stars. EAB was one of the first podcasts I subscribed to and is my all-time favorite. I recently transitioned to the role of FA, financial advisor, after years in the financial and retirement education field. And this show has opened my eyes to an entire world of financial planning and business experts. I have about 20 episodes saved on my phone that are jam-packed with superstar guests and paradigm-changing ideas. Thanks, Brad and team, for sharing your passion, expertise, and commitment to striving to take the advisor world to the next level. Thanks so much, New Day PFC, whoever you are out there. By the way, if we haven't connected in person, hit us up somewhere out on social. Twitter is probably the easiest place to get to me directly. I'm at Brad underscore Johnson. And... That's the goal is to take all of the good out of the old show. We'll continue to have an eclectic guest list. We'll continue to source like just the most brilliant people that I can find in my network or in my network's network and continue to just add as much value as this industry changes and evolves and have really in-depth conversations that can add value to y'all and challenge you to maybe think a little bit differently about your business than you have before. And by the way, on that note, if you're listening in and you have an idea for a guest based on kind of the vibe of the old show or the new show, please hit us up on social. It's DBDL as in do business, do life podcast on just about every social that we could grab that handle. So wherever you're at, just message DBDL podcast and say, Hey, here's a great potential future guest to check out. By the way, like I would say, don't say that potential guest is you. I would say that's like the quickest way to like not get on a show is say, I've got a great guest for you. It's me and be kind of self-serving. But if you've got somebody in your network that is amazing, or you've been to a conference and they just blew you away and you'd love an in-depth 60, 90 minute conversation, um, with them riffing on finance or, you know, do business, do life, wherever they may fit in to that. Hit us up, let us know. We'd love to utilize you all to continue to have the sort of conversations that can serve you. So with that, thanks for tuning in to episode one. Can't be more excited to get this this show back out on the internet. And yeah, hit me up. Let us know how we can serve you. And uh, by the way, I think episode two is already live. So go check that out now if you haven't already. All right. Catch you on the next show. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Do Business, Do Life podcast. As we wrap, for access to show notes, transcripts, and exclusive content from all of our show's guests, don't forget to visit bradleyjohnson.com forward slash podcast. And before you go, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you're liking the podcast, you can help support the show by leaving your rating and review on iTunes. Not only do we read every single comment, but this will help the show rank and get discovered by new listeners and other financial advisors out there that can benefit from the show. Trust me, it really does help. So thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode. 
These conversations are intended to provide financial advisors with ideas, strategies, concepts, and tools that could be incorporated into their advisory practice. Advisors are ultimately responsible for ensuring implementation of anything discussed is in accordance with any and all regulatory and compliance responsibilities and obligations.